I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing. We're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. Welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. I'm Rip Esselstyn. And first of all, I want to extend my best wishes for health and safety to all of you and your loved ones. I also want to thank you for all of the kind messages that you've been sending me and my family. It is communities and extended families like this one here at Plan Strong by Engine 2 that will continue to make such a huge difference in our well-being and collective connectedness. During this time of uncertainty, we are more committed than ever to bring you the science, the facts, and answers to all of your health questions. We recently put the call out, and you responded in a huge way. And this week, we're going to go straight to the top with a question and answer session with my father, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn, Jr. Now, a little update on, on them. Like most of us, my father and my mother are currently practicing social distancing from their home in Cleveland, Ohio. So we recorded this over Zoom, and I'm sure that many of you are becoming very well acquainted with Zoom and the technological challenges that are inherent in in the platform. But whatever lack of quality there is in the recording, I want you to know that it'll be made up in spades with the information and the answers that my father provides to your questions, ranging from cholesterol, how to order food at restaurants, the effects of caffeine on the body, the importance of six servings of green leafies a day, and of course, nitric oxide, and a whole lot more. Enjoy this always educational conversation with my father, Dr. Esselstyn. So strange times are upon us right now. Um, I'd love to, well, let me just start by saying um, for this episode of the Plant Strong Podcast, I thought it would be really nice to have you, uh, have you on board, uh, especially considering everything that's going on right now. And uh, along with talking a little bit about COVID-19, uh, I'd like for you to answer some questions that some of our podcast listeners have sent in. Um, so just to start, COVID-19, you know, coronavirus, um, what, what are your thoughts surrounding this very uh, kind of unsettling uh, virus that right now is sweeping the world? Yeah, this is, COVID-19 has really got civilization by the throat. Uh, it's, it's really kind of a 
is a rather vicious uh, virus, which is highly uh, contagious. And since it makes people uh, ill and, and, and some of the more seniors can be seriously ill, it really has got everybody's attention. And it seems that when you have these sort of pandemic situations, uh, the best that everybody can do is to try to uh, use this social distance that is to really uh, avoid the crowds and intera interactions because that's that's how it's obviously how it's how it is spread. So we'll just have, have to follow the really the <clears throat> the directions, the instructions of our of our experts and really take it on a week by week uh, basis. Mm -hmm. What what are- But certainly so, the, 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 all the things like the hand washing, the avoiding the, uh, the crowds, uh, avoiding shaking hands. And uh, these are all very important. Mm -hmm. So what, what are, what in particular are you and Anne doing? Staying, uh, hydra staying hydrated and staying uh, isolated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, do you have any thoughts about eating uh, eating a whole food plant based diet and how that can help with the well, you immune you system keep, and all that? Yes, you want to keep your immune system optimal, and that's certainly going to help uh, to help uh, fend off uh, any of these infectious agents. But uh, there again, we go to the emphasis on the green leafy vegetables and uh, a, a nice. <clears throat> around a spectrum of whole grains, legumes, uh, all the red, yellow, and green leafy vegetables, and some uh, way beef, white potatoes, sweet potatoes, and some fruit. Mm -hmm. And if you've got the foundation for the for all those wonderful recipes that are <laughs> in your book, in our book, and Jane and Mummy's book, and John McDougall's books, and Neil Barnard's books, and so that's, a lot of there's a lot of uh, information out there yeah um well so have you heard this whole term about flattening the curve yes right and uh and can you can you explain in you know from what you've read and understand what flattening the curve means exactly and why this will will help us out well each each culture has a certain uh, limitation on the facilities that they have to contend with the with the virus, and if you can kind of keep from having that tremendous surge in cases which occurs where where you have a huge amount of illness all at once, that's the surge, and that's what overwhelms the ability of people to care for these patients. And that's what one has to really try to uh, avoid. And that's the, the whole emphasis in this uh, social distancing because when you isolate, <clears throat> you tend to avoid these surges and you do not overwhelm the healthcare facilities of the particular uh, uh, culture. You have a, a much better time and uh, a better opportunity to deal with this, uh, with this virus till it runs its course. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I listened to a, uh, a 30 minute uh, podcast the other day called daily where they talk about all the different things that South Korea and China are doing right, right now when it comes to doing massive testing, quarantining. And when you quarantine people, you're quarantining them with other sick people as opposed to sending them home to get, uh, you know, to get uh, loved ones uh, exposed as well. And, uh, you know, I I'm just wondering, uh, you know, we're doing a, a lot of things right with the social distancing and washing hands and, and all that, but I'm wondering if, if that's enough. And I guess maybe, you know, time will tell. I think that maybe here in America, we feel it's too draconian and too extreme but it, it, to me at this point, it's like, hey, any, anything goes at this point to, to prevent this thing from spreading. You're right. So 
If you're, if you're cool with it, what I'd love to do is dive into some questions that some of our podcast listeners have, have sent in. You ready to go? Yeah, yeah let's, let's see what you got. All right, all right. So um, this first question is, aside from uh, turmeric, what other foods and spices do you recommend for inflammation? I'm a two-time cancer fighter and dealing with uh, lymphedemia. Uh, hoping I can start to fight this stronger through food, uh, if at all possible. Thank you very much, Dr. Esselstyn. Yeah, that's an excellent uh, question. As far as <clears throat> inflammation, when you have the whole grains, when you have all the 101 different types of legumes, lentils, and beans, all those marvelous red, yellow, green leafy vegetables, white potatoes, sweet potatoes, and some fruit, you've got the entire spectrum of the benefit of all these. There's no one single magic food that's going to deliver uh, a deliverance from uh, the inflammatory mm -hmm. problem. It's, it's the, the entire uh, spectrum. And when you uh, really see this working its magic uh, is when you look at uh, people who come in with, a, let's say, an elevated uh, calcium score uh, on the uh, uh, coronary arteries and they're concerned because they don't know what's going to happen. Let's say that they've got a score of 400. And <clears throat> but as, as I learned years ago from Bill Costelli, Costelli was for years the director of the world famous Framingham Heart Study. And Costelli said, if you see somebody with an uh, elevated calcium score, let's say 400, that tells us two things. It tells us that the patient has coronary artery disease. And it also tells us that uh, this is somebody who has a lot of non-calcified inflamed plaque that you cannot see. Mm. But if the person absolutely gets it right, and over the next year, they're totally committed to whole food plant-based nutrition. And after, let's say a year later, they get another calcium score and it's no longer 400, but now it may be 550. But Castelli says the patient is actually much healthier, much better off because what has happened during that year, while the patient was consuming the whole food plant-based nutrition, which is so anti-inflammatory, those previously non-calcified inflamed plaque, which were more dangerous for rupturing and causing a heart attack, mm -hmm. are losing rapidly. They're losing their inflammation, he says. And, and it is as though the body is trying to get in on the act and will deposit some calcium in those previously non-calcified inflamed plaque to try to hasten the diminution of their calcium, uh, excuse me, of their uh, inflammation and make it so they cannot rupture or cause a heart attack. Hmm. Yeah, that's really, uh, that's really interesting. And if, and if you didn't know, if you didn't know what was going on. Yeah, you'd think you were getting worse. You think you're getting worse. You and, and, and how many, and how many cardiologists actually also know know what's yeah. going on there no i think oh. that the, the unknown the unknowing cardiologist will absolutely steer you in the wrong direction there they have to understand that uh, <clears throat> that that's what can happen especially when patients go on whole food plant-based nutrition their calcium score is likely to go up right so so in in summary <clears throat> turmeric is great but it's the totality absolutely of a whole, whole food plant-based diet that will really help fight fight the inflammation that's your that's your answer <laughs> no, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, all right, here's a question. Um, Dr. Esselstyn, did you find any evidence with your patients <clears throat> that this way of eating improves or reverses diabetes? Oh, yeah, all, all the time. I mean, you, one of the things you see very promptly, especially in patients who are uh, on insulin, <clears throat> as they start following their morning blood sugars, uh, they're going to have to really be on their toes because they improve so rapidly that as they check their morning blood sugar, I don't want it to suddenly be uh, too far below 100. I don't want them to be at risk for getting a hypoglycemic episode. But everybody, as they follow their morning blood sugars, once they transition to whole food plant-based nutrition, they're going to suddenly see that morning blood sugar, instead of being 130, 120, 110, suddenly it's 100 or less and they're really uh, improving. What happens is that as they eat whole food plant-based nutrition, <clears throat> immediately what happens is they start, as they lose weight, the fat which has been deposited in, the, in their mu muscle cells 
intramyocellular fat, as it were, uh, that fat in the muscle cells has been like glue in the lock and it has been preventing the insulin being, a being able to escort the glucose into the muscle cell to be metabolized. But once the person starts losing weight and is eating whole food plant-based nutrition, once again, the pathway is open. That is to say the insulin can turn the key in the lock as it were, and now once again, escort the glucose into the muscle cell to be metabolized. And that's when they're blood sugar comes down, their diabetes begins to be reversed. I mean, how, how, how quickly would you say that this starts to happen? Oh, within days, within, within days. Right, right. Well, that's completely uh, in alignment uh, <laughs> with, with what we see at, uh, at our, you know, emergency Whole Foods, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, okay, here's a question from a 51-year-old perimenopausal woman. And she says, Dr. Esselstyn, I have been diagnosed with anemia and I am finding it hard to find information on eating whole food plant-based while battling this particular condition. Everything that I read says I need to eat red meat and lots of it. What would you say to this woman? Well, when you have a profound anemia, especially in someone who is still a perimenopausal woman, meaning she still is having active menstrual activity. Mm. Sometimes the menstrual activity is such a significant uh, blood loss that the loss of, of iron is sufficiently greater than the iron they're taking in that they will get anemia. So the first thing you want to do with anemia uh, that is really of, of iron deficiency is look for a loss. Now, if it's a if it's a male, you want to be sure that they aren't losing uh, blood in the uh, in the stool. Uh, that is, they may have a small gas amount of gastritis or an ulcer, or an ulcer which is uh, bleeding subliminally. Uh, as it bleeds a fair amount, the, the stool will become dark or tarry. Uh, but the, the the thing that I'm driving at here, both of men and men and women, is to be sure that they aren't having an excess of blood loss, uh, which is going to be reflected by this uh, iron deficiency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But 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 typically, uh, most people on a whole food plant based diet are right. abs are this shouldn't yeah. be an issue. Getting all the iron you need from all your green leafies, all your beans, all your you know whole yeah. plant based. Foods. And yeah. and and I think Colin Campbell uh, showed this right profoundly in his China study, how um, really people eating whole food, plant-based nutrition, really, uh, given that they're eating the spectrum, are not uh, anemic. Right, right. And uh, well, in my well, in my second book, my beef with meat, I have a whole chapter on uh, on iron, and we talk about the different types of iron and plants versus animals and how really the iron that's in plants is a it's a much more intelligent <laughs> almost form of iron where the body actually uh, can dump iron if you have too much iron uh, as opposed to animal-based iron which is uh, the heme iron uh, where <clears throat> the body can't control the iron and it, in many people it just builds up and builds up um, and and it's an oxidative type of iron, correct? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oxidative inflammation. Okay, so uh, this is a question that you're gonna love answering. It's right up your alley. So Dr. Esselstyn Sr. says to put vinegar on steamed greens when getting in those six servings a day. I wanna know, is the vinegar a part of the recommendation or just to make it more palatable. I prefer the greens plain, but if the vinegar helps the absorption of nutrients, then I'll do it if Dr. Esselstyn says I should do it. Thanks so much. Well, again, the, the key molecule, excellent question. The key molecule that we're after, we're after here is uh, to restore nitric oxide because for all these uh, persons who have vascular disease, 
the only reason or the main reason that they have vascular disease, and this is an area where all experts are in agreement, vascular disease has its inception, its onset, its beginning. When we progressively injure the delicate innermost lining of the artery called the endothelium, and what makes the endothelium so remarkable is the molecule of gas, nitric oxide, that it is producing. And it is nitric oxide that is responsible for the salvation and the protection of all of our blood vessels because of its remarkable uh, functions. Can you, can you um, let everybody know what are some of the functions of nitric oxide? All right. Well, the functions of nitric oxide, <clears throat> the key ones are one, Nitric oxide will keep all the cellular elements within our bloodstream flowing smoothly like Teflon rather than Velcro. It keeps things from getting sticky. Number two, nitric oxide is the strongest blood vessel dilator in the body. When you climb stairs, the arteries to your heart, the arteries to your legs, they widen, they dilate, that's nitric oxide. Number three, <clears throat> nitric oxide will keep the wall of the artery from becoming thickened, stiff or inflamed and protect us from getting high blood pressure, hypertension, number four. Now, number four is the absolute key. Mm. A safe and normal amount of nitric oxide will protect us all from ever developing any blockages or plaque. So literally everybody on the planet Earth, whether they're from London, Berlin, Chicago, New York, or Cleveland, <clears throat> or Cincinnati, if they have cardiovascular disease, it is because by now, in the previous decades, they have so sufficiently trashed, injured, compromised, and turned their endothelial system into a train wreck mm -hmm. that they no longer have enough nitric oxide left to protect themselves from making blockages and plaque. However, the good news here is this. This is not a malignancy. This is a completely benign foodborne illness. And once you can get those patients to never again have anything passed through their lips that mm -hmm. is going to further destroy their capacity of their endothelial cells to make nitric oxide. Then the endothelial cells recover, make enough nitric oxide so you no longer have disease progression. And we also see elements of disease reversal. Now, let's come back to the green leafy vegetables for a minute. And the vinegar, yes. What is so important there? Because if I can get patients to chew, not smoothies, not juicing, to chew a green leafy vegetable six times a day, what, <clears throat> after it has first been boiled in water, five and a half to six minutes, so it's nice and tender or steamed, then I'd like them to anoint it with a, several drops of a delightful balsamic or rice vinegar. Why? Not only does it add to the little zip to the taste, but most <laughs> importantly, the acetic acid in the vinegar has been shown to restore the nitric oxide synthase enzyme, which is contained within the endothelial cell and is responsible for making nitric oxide. Now, the second thing that the greens does, the greens restore the capacity of your bone marrow to once again make plenty of endothelial progenitor cells. What do they do? They replace our senescent, injured, worn out endothelial cells. So you're gonna chew this alongside your breakfast cereal, mm. again as a morning sn snack, yeah. again with your uh, luncheon sandwich, that's three, mid-afternoon, four, dinner time, five, and of course I adore it when you have that evening snack of kale. Now, the what's the third thing? And this is so absolutely key because this is for seniors because we have, we have two ways of making nitric oxide. And one that's most talked about is of course, <clears throat> the nitric oxide that is produced by the endothelial cells that line our blood vessels. But sadly, as we get older, by the time you're 50, the ability of your endothelial cells to make nitric oxide, even if you're beautifully healthy, is 50% of what it was when you were 25. And if you're over 80, you've lost 73% of that avenue for making nitric oxide. So wow. here is the second option. When you are chewing those green leafy vegetables, 
<clears throat> you are actually chewing a nitrate. As you chew a nitrate, it is going to mix with the facultative anaerobic bacteria that reside in the crypts and grooves of your tongue. Those bacteria are going to reduce the nitrate in your mouth that you're chewing to nitrite. Now, when you swallow the nitrite, your own gastric acid is going to further reduce the nitrites to more nitric oxide. So here's what you'd be doing, literally, without any added expense, without any hideous side effect, all day long you are absolutely restoring the very molecule, nitric oxide, <clears throat> the deficiency of which gave you the heart disease in the first place. Now, what are the greens that I'm talking about? They yeah, are. What are they? <laughs> bok choy, Swiss chard, kale, collards, collard green, beet, greens, mustard green, turnip greens, napa cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, cilantro, parsley, spinach, and arugula, and asparagus. And the top five are kale, Swiss chard, spinach, arugula, beet greens, and beets. And look what it does for your memory. <laughs> so I, I have some follow-ups on that. So for this lady that, that asked this question and is not a huge fan of the balsamic vinegar, would you tell her, yes, it's a good idea to do it because of the acetic acid? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's, 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 taste, it's tasty, it's wonderful, and look what it does for your nitric oxide synthase, which is the enzyme responsible for making nitric yeah. oxide. Okay. The other thing is somebody that I just had on the podcast, the episode has not aired yet, and I know he's a gentleman that you have spoken to on the phone as well. Uh, Dr. Nathan Bryan um, talks about some things that also are impeding the ability. Yes, uh, they are. They are. If antibiotics yeah. or well, mouthwash will destroy the back, the beneficial bacteria in your mouth, and if you're taking anti -ac and acids, and acids will alter yeah. the gastric acid, so you no longer have enough stomach acid to convert the nitrite to more nitric yeah. oxide. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so, so, yep, exactly right. So all these things kind of disrupt that, that, that pathway yeah. of, the, uh, of the ability <clears throat> to turn the, the, the uh, I guess, yeah, the nitric oxide pathways. So just to repeat, <clears throat> uh, fluoride toothpaste, mouthwash, and antacids, correct? All right. Okay, all right. Um, wow, all right, that was a great answer there. I want to share a special note today from Dr. Ernie Ward. He's the veterinarian medical officer for wild earth dog food that we are very wild about. He wants me to let you know that so far, only one case exists of a dog in Hong Kong testing positive for the virus after its family members contracted the disease. But the dog did not exhibit any symptoms indicating that the COVID-19 is a human specific virus. Now there does remain a minimal risk that a dog or a cat's fur or skin could serve as a mechanical vector for the COVID-19 transmission, much the same way a door handle or a handshake can spread the infection. Bathing your pet frequently is recommended if anyone in your home contracts COVID-19 after public outings or if you suspect you might have come in contact with anyone that's ill. And please skip the pet face masks, no matter how many cute pictures you see on social media. Forcing a face mask on your pet will only stress them out, and that's not very cute. If you'd like to have Wild Earth dog food shipped straight to your door, please visit wildearth.com or Amazon and use the code PLANTSTRONG for 40% off your first order. All right, this is a woman that wants to know, um, you both say not to drink your calories, but I had a, a more specific question um, in relation to caffeine and coffee. What are your thoughts, findings on the effects of caffeine on the body or even just plain black coffee? Well, the reason I'm a little bit cautious about uh, people with heart disease uh, drinking coffee with caffeine is I was rather 
uh, swayed by a wonderful Italian study. And the Italian study did the following. They took two groups of healthy young subjects and half of the group drank coffee with caffeine and the other half drank decaf. After they drank the uh, coffee, they then did the brachial returnica test, which is the test which determines uh, the endothelial function and its ability to make nitric oxide. Now, after they uh, did the first bout where they drank the beverage and then they checked the brachial returnica test, they switched groups. Mm. So the group previously that was drinking decaf is now drinking coffee with caffeine and they repeated the study. It was always the group that was consuming coffee with caffeine where they demonstrated endothelial dysfunction. In other words, a lessened ability to make nitric oxide. I guess the coffee's kind of uh, off the table, huh? <laughs> well, you, unless you want to have decaf. <laughs> and, and, and uh, okay, so for people that really, feel like they need their coffee in the morning, yeah. you, rec you recommend decaf instead of that. That's right. Instead of black. All right. Um, I think this is a question that pertains to a lot of people that are on blood thinners that uh, would be very helpful. So this particular person ha has been on a whole food plant-based diet since late October of 2019. And uh, they have taken to it like a duck to water. Uh, but their question relates to green leafies, which we've been talking about. Uh, as this person takes warfarin uh, slash Coumadin and then parentheses for the rest of their life, I believe I can't load up on leafy greens any longer. I eat a little bit, but nowhere near as much as I would like to. Do you have any advice as to how I can get the benefits of eating green leafies without adversely affecting my INR? I don't know what INR is, but... Yeah, that's a, that's a measure of the uh, degree to which your blood has been thinned or okay. anticoagulated. And uh, this, is, this question has been out for years and the, the simple answer is this. There's no question that if you are on Coumadin or Warfarin uh, and you have your blood uh, thinning, thin level checked on a regular basis, uh, if you're eating a lot of green leafy vegetables, which have an additional amount of vitamin K, which hastens the clotting, uh, it will uh, compromise the uh, effect of the of the drug. However, I mean, I think that with people who are insightful about this and are willing to speak with their physician who is running the Coumadin, they still need not give up the green leafy vegetable provided they do the following. If you will inform your physician that you are going to be eating a fixed certain amount of green leafy vegetables on a regular basis, they can ap appropriately adjust the Coumadin dose so that you will still achieve the level of anticoagulation that these, they seem desirable mm. without having to sacrifice giving up some of the most nutrient and beneficial uh, foods, green leafy vegetables. Fantastic. <clears throat> um, so this next question is one that I know that you, uh, you love answering because uh, you, you answer it in, uh, in, in a way where you just don't mess around. <laughs> How do you handle going out to dinner with people that don't eat the way you do? It's exhausting trying to find a restaurant that caters to both without having to, um, without having to eat lettuce all night long. What, a, what, a, what am I to do, Dr. Assistant? Well, I think the first thing you do when you go to any restaurant and the waiter or the waitress comes to your table, you look them in the eye and you say, let's be sure we understand the following. Uh, I am deathly allergic to a drop of any oil. So then you together go over the menu and you might find that you can pick up a vegetable from this offering, or maybe a potato from this one or what have you, or maybe you don't find anything. And then you ask 
<coughs> graciously, you'd like to see the chef. So the chef comes out <coughs> and you tell the chef, look, I am deathly allergic to a drop of any oil, nothing with animal protein, no dairy, and no sugar. Mm -hmm. And the chef is flattered. They smile and said, be back in 23 minutes with your meal. And here comes a beautiful plate full of beans and rice, or maybe a baked potato with a, uh, a vegetable. Or let's say that you're uh, eating in a restaurant, which is kind of uh, local, you're at home in uh, your hometown, and uh, you're not very easy, uh, hungry, so you say, I'll, uh, I'll just have the large salad. And they come with the salad, and it comes with no dressing. So you then uh, dip into your handbag and pull out your homemade dressing that you've made that you know is perfectly legal. Uh, you uh, <laughs> use it all the time when you travel locally. Now, it's a little bit different. If you're asked to somebody's house, and let's say that they've got a large gathering, and the large gathering means that you're gonna, they're gonna have a buffet. So you go through the buffet line and here are all the foods that you know you cannot ever eat but you put small portions on your plate so you can push it around during the evening. Don't touch it and you can eat when you get home or you could have eaten uh, before you ever uh, came. Now it gets a little delicate when you've got a smaller gathering and let's say it, it's one other couple plus yourself and the, your hosts are Bill and Ruth who you've known for years. Mm -hmm. And you've really got to use your interpersonal skill in this particular setting. So you call her beforehand and you say, look, uh, Harriet and I are really excited to come uh, <clears throat> to be, to, um, together with you uh, at your house. But uh, <clears throat> you must understand that right now I am being taken care of by this absolute monster of a physician from Ohio. <laughs> and then you explain your uh, your restrictions, and it works out. Yeah, yeah. What was it? What was it? it was uh, I think it was Bill Bill Clinton on uh, Dave Letterman uh, referred to you <laughs> re referred to you as uh, oh God, what was it? <laughs> uh, kind of intense to say the least. <laughs> but you get the results. Um, let's, let's talk for a second about people's cholesterol levels that for whatever reason don't seem to be coming, coming down the way they'd, they'd like. Uh, and I have, I have two back-to-back -back questions, so let, let me read them both and then if you could answer. Um, this first question is, I've been vegan and mostly, I think that's the problem, but I've been vegan mostly whole food plant-based for over two years and my cholesterol is still around 200. The lowest it has ever gotten was 184. What am I doing wrong? So that's question number one. Question number two is, while I'm eating a whole food plant-based, uh, I am eating a whole food plant-based diet. No processed food, oil, salt, sugar, caffeine, no fats, overt fats to speak of, but my cholesterol is well over 200. Is there something I need to do? I, uh, I exercise, I'm at a complete loss. Uh, what's, what's the answer there? Is it a food diary to see what they're doing? Well, you can, uh, take a, a food diary would be a good start, but, uh, let's say that the food diary is, is excellent. They're absolutely careful. Yeah. We have to remember this, that if we have, uh, let's say a, a thousand people who would absolutely a hundred percent without any deviation, follow the, the whole food plant-based nutrition. Every single one of us has a different thermostat mm. in our liver. That is because that's the only place you'll be getting all this cholesterol. So if you have a thousand people, there might be some people with a cholesterol of 102, others with 140, 160, 180, 200, 220. That's just the level of cholesterol production that their body has. Now, uh, I should confess that in, the, in our book, the level of 150 is a little bit uh, unrealistic to ask everybody to get there because some of them are going to have a liver production of cholesterol that is higher. Mm 
-hmm. than 150 milligrams per deciliter. But we have to remember this. Let's say that that first patient you mentioned who had, who's, has had a cholesterol of 184 and uh, that is just the level at which their liver is gonna make cholesterol be produced. But there is really the important thing to remember. No number has ever caused heart disease. What causes heart disease is what is passing through your lips every day that has the capacity to injure the ability of your endothelial cells to manufacture nitric oxide, which is the molecule that is the salvation and protection of all of our blood vessels. We've talked about that. <laughs> now, the other thing that's so key to remember is I have had a couple of, well, not more than, more than a couple, uh, a number of situations where I have suggested to people who are very, very, very strongly want to lower their cholesterol without uh, having to resort to statins. If they would try just for two weeks, just for two weeks, absolutely eliminate every single grain, oats, wheats, barley, rye, buckwheat, farrow, couscous, uh, quinoa, uh, all that. And invariably I've seen drops of cholesterol total between 30 and 40 points when they do this. Hmm. And then why, what they- Why is that? And that, well, because that's the, uh, let's just say it's, it's the substrate that their liver as the factory consumes to help make uh, cholesterol. Hmm. And uh, when they, let's say that they were worried they were at 220 and now they're come down to 180, what they then can do is one one grain at a time reintroduce it and see if they can find which uh, which grain may be the uh, the culprit. And uh, that's pretty much my answer to that situation. Well, yeah. Can, can I also say a couple things and tell me if you agree here? I think with some people too, it's important to know specifically what each each fraction is, meaning like, what's your total cholesterol, obviously, but then what's your HDL and your LDL and your triglycerides, because they also tell the whole story. And for somebody that has an HDL that's maybe 80 or 90, they're never going to get their total cholesterol probably down below, you know, right. 180, 200. Would you agree with that? If, if, if that's the level that they're maintaining, even though they're eating whole food right. plant-based nutrition, right. it's a little unusual to have an, uh, somebody eating whole food plant-based nutrition maintain, although I've seen it, maintain an HDL of 80, because usually what happens when you're eating whole food plant-based nutrition, which is so anti-inflammatory, your liver recognizes that and no longer makes as much HDL because your HDL is the anti-inflammatory molecule. For the, I think the classic example of that would be uh, the first group of patients that I had back in the late 1980s uh, these are largely men who, as soon as they started eating whole food, plant-based nutrition, we noticed that they, their HDL was plummeting. And it was suddenly, all of them had HDLs that were below 40 milligrams per deciliter, which is the sort of the national accepted low level uh, for men. So here they were lower than the accepted low level in their mid thirties. Yeah. They were losing weight. Their symptoms of heart disease and chest pain were disappearing. And when we carefully studied them, they were reversing their disease, all with a lower than normal level of HDL. Yeah. 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 Pretty, yeah. pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and, and most physicians, they're, they're, they're not going to see somebody that's eating whole food plant-based and gets their total cholesterol down to what your patients did. And and so that HDL is also going to come down below 40, and and it tends to uh, tends to spook them a little bit because they're not used to it. But as we know, that's completely fine. Uh, Dr. Esselstyn, do you know is it possible to reverse an aortic aneurysm with a whole food plant based diet? No, the aortic aneurysms will occur in usually two areas of the aorta. It can be in the chest where the aorta comes right off the heart. 
the ascending aorta, which then curves and goes down through your, uh, along your spine, right in through your abdomen. And the other ones that occur will occur in the abdomen. Now, the, uh, the aneurysms occur because the same process that gives coronary artery disease can occur in the wall of the aorta. Mm. And as the uh, inflammation uh, from this atherosclerotic process begins on the wall uh, of the aorta, and now what uh, occurs is there is gradually with, under this high pressure aortic system, uh, the inflammation infiltrates the wall and begins to disrupt the collagen fibers and the muscle fibers. So suddenly we now have a segment of that aortic wall, which is weakened because you have separated the collagen and the muscle fibers. And although whole food plant-based nutrition uh, can decrease some of the inflammation, it can never rejoin those <clears throat> disrupted collagen fibers and muscle fibers. And so gradually, there's an expansion uh, of the aorta as this weakened area is seen on an, uh, imaging as a bulge, as a bulge or weakening a bulb. And the reason that those can be, uh, have to be cared, cared for if they continue to grow is of course you don't want them to burst because then the person uh, would uh, immediately exsanguinate. And so that's very uh, delicate and very appropriate surgery in patients who have an aneurysm that is beyond a certain size. Got it. This particular person's is uh, 4.5 centimeters. Yeah, they're, get, they're getting up there. Usually it's by the time they get to five, it's, that's when the bell rings and it's time to get it taken care of. Got it. That's great. Great to know all that. Um, so this is a question that uh, I think a lot of people that, <laughs> that are transitioning to a whole food plant-based diet, uh, especially in the beginning, um, experience. So here we go. We recently shifted to a whole food plant-based uh, diet about three weeks ago. We have loved all the new recipes, but I'm noticing that my husband and I have a lot more gas. We aren't bloated, we're just gassy. Are there any things that we can do to help with this? Uh, probiotic, gas X, anything, Dr. Esselstyn, help. <laughs> yeah, I think just smile and accept the fact that you are changing your, uh, <clears throat> your bacteria. In other words, your, uh, your, your intestinal bacteria, your microbiome uh, is going to change as you uh, uh, change with your diet. And those bacteria are able to metabolize some of the more complex uh, sugars that, that we as humans cannot metabolize. Mm that we eat, but, but those organisms are able to do that. And as a result of that, often the, uh, the product of their metabolism of these complex sugars is gas, but that should ameliorate uh, with, with time. Yeah, yeah, I, um, yeah, it's funny how I, I find that uh, my, <laughs> my particular gas, uh, is not bad at all unless I eat certain foods like if I happen to do some sort of processed uh, tofu. Uh, let's just say, for example, I do like a soy, a soy dog or a soy burger. That tends to like uh, have things act up. But it's, it's interesting because I look at my kids uh, who have been eating this way their whole entire lives. You know, Hope is six, Sophie is 10, and Cole is 12. And they have... <laughs> They have, I mean, very little gas to speak of. It's really remarkable to me. Uh, and, and when they do, it's very, it's not offensive. <laughs> so kind of pecu uh, peculiar. <laughs> okay. So uh, I love your smile there. All right. Um, I have not found, so this, this particular person has a question about eggs. Um, I haven't found any particular articles relating to egg whites damaging the endothelial cells. What is the scientific basis for avoiding them? I'm a big fan of you both and what you've, what you've done for heart disease uh, mitigation. Any, any thought, thought on egg whites or eggs? 
Well, it's just that there are uh, there are two parts of the egg <laughs> that are uh, at least I don't like our uh, heart patients to have, and that's the yolk, which is loaded with cholesterol. And then, of course, you have the egg white, which is animal protein. And remember that it's animal protein is one of the things that we feel contributes to <clears throat> injuring the endothelial lining. And the other thing you have to look at is, as there are obviously manufacturers of eggs who have great pride in their product, but where have they ever had a study where they have taken patients who are seriously ill with heart disease and fed them a diet full of eggs and show that you could halt and reverse this disease. Mm -hmm. not, a yeah. great, not a great fan of eggs. All right, so Dr. Esselstyn, my, LD, my LDL number was 189 at the end of November, 2019. The doctor wanted to put me on meds, but I decided to go plant-based and slowly eased in and I'm still going strong. How long should I wait before I get retested? I've also lost 20 pounds uh, and I'm hoping that my number will come down. Yeah, well, once you've uh, plateaued with your weight loss, uh, <clears throat> and uh, then I think it's, it's certainly time to repeat uh, the, uh, the cholesterol findings. Because I think you, you wanna look at your cholesterol when it's under stable conditions, I think it's gonna be more accurate than if you're, if you're in a situation where you are profoundly losing every day body weight, both fat and muscle. Literally, what you're, what you're living on is is uh, fat and muscle, and your situation, your your numbers there, <clears throat> are really not truly what your baseline would be if you were in a stable <clears throat> metabolic state, not losing or gaining weight. That's what so, I'm. Mean, so meaning that those levels will probably be continue to be a little bit elevated. That's right. Under those circumstances, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. I, I know that, uh, you know, in our seven day programs, and I'm sure you see this too, uh, we get dramatic, you know, typically 25 point loss in, in seven right. days, but yeah. All right. Um, how about if we take one more question? You Let's good with that? It. Let's right. do it. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> so I think this is one of the things that really kind of distinguishes you from a lot of people in the, uh, in the whole food plant-based, um, you know, movement. Um, so why, Dr. Esselstyn, are nuts banned on your program? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I am a little bit of an outlier there, and I, and I don't uh, apologize for our success, and we will uh, uh, compete to challenge uh, our results with anybody, although I must confess. On page 69 of my book, I indicate clearly... <clears throat> that there, I have no hesitation about su suggesting nuts uh, or seeds for persons who do not have uh, cardiovascular disease. On the very next page, you find that I am restricting uh, nuts uh, from persons who do not have, uh, excuse me, for persons who do have cardiovascular disease. Why is that? Well, number one, uh, You'll never hear me say this, but obviously if people were to have one or two or three walnut halves on their morning breakfast cereal, that probably would be okay. But you'll never hear me say that. Why? <laughs> because if I say that, then suddenly the word will get out that somebody says, I've heard Esselstyn say that nuts were okay. The reason I don't say that, if, if I ever if say that nuts are okay, or if somebody says <laughs> that because I say it's okay to have three half walnuts, Esselstyn said nuts is okay, that doesn't work because then they'll suddenly, they'll be in the glove compartment, they'll be in the bathroom, they'll be in the kitchen, the bedroom, the hallway, the living room. Nuts are so highly addictive and they are filled with saturated fat. Now, the other uh, wrinkle that's interesting here is that uh, 
let's do this. Let's look at the data. Can you show me a single study where patients who are seriously ill with heart disease were offered peanut butter, nuts, cashew sauce, and they ever had their disease halt and reverse? I'm going to be completely open-minded about that, but I've not seen that study. As a matter of fact, the one study that I'm aware of <clears throat> with nuts would be the Predamed study. And in Predamed, the, the, these Italian folks who entered the study had to have a, a record of no identifiable cardiovascular disease to be entered into the study. There were 5,000. They were in three different groups. One group was having the Mediterranean diet with nuts. The other was the Mediterranean diet with olive oil. And the other was a so-called low-fat diet, which was really quite high in fat. And they followed them for five years. And what did they happen to have? Well, let's look at the results. In every single group, there were scores of patients who sustained heart attack, stroke, and death. Mm. Right. In the group that was having nuts uh, with the Mediterranean diet, 83 patients with heart attack, stroke, and death in five years. Those that were having the Mediterranean diet with olive oil, 96 heart attack, stroke, and death. And those that were having the low-fat diet, 109. Mm. As a matter of fact, the title of the article when it was printed said, the prevention of cardiovascular disease with the Mediterranean diet. And when the, the uh, uh, the writer from the New York Times called me and said, Dr. Esselstyn, this seems to disagree with your findings. What do you have to say about Predimed? And I said, I think you've got the title wrong because <laughs> yeah. it should be the creation of cardiovascular disease with a Mediterranean diet. You're just slowing it down, if anything, not, not getting to the root causation. Um, what, but now you're okay, though, with... Uh, some ground flaxseed meal, chia seeds. Oh, and no, no, like absolutely. That, right? yeah. At the morning, in your morning cereal, you want to have a tablespoon or two of flaxseed meal or chia seeds. That's great. If you happen to have a, a bun, a bun that is made and it's got a few sesame seeds in the crust, that's fine. So I see in the background, you've got about four different bikes. Uh, have you been out biking at all lately? No, they, uh, they get retired during the winter time uh, i don't i'm not so good in the snow yeah well what about that one stationary bike that i see there Is yeah that, that, that'll get a little workout every now and then for sure awesome fantastic well you and uh you and mommy hunker down uh do, yeah keep... well we'll get us through this uh through this uh vir virus uh, but we have to really uh and it's going to be tough to remain housebound, but that's that's going to be the rule. Yeah. But how can I can how would it be possible to be find anybody who I'd rather be housebound with than mummy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love I, I love how much you guys love being together. It's awesome. <laughs> um, all right. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks, uh, Rip. Thanks again to all of you who submitted questions to my father. No doubt. We'll be doing these special episodes on a regular basis to educate, inform, and inspire. We all have to continue to control the controllables in our life, and our long-term health must take a front seat. As I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's also important to stay connected, and we invite you to join our Plan Strong community. Visit planstrong.com for recipes, resources, and all the links to all of our social media channels. It's an uncertain time for all of us, but one thing that is certain is we will continue to be here for you. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, we have a new interview with Dr. Michael Clapper to share with you. Stay tuned. One of the best features of our Plant Strong Meal Planner is the ability to search recipes that allow you to use random ingredients from your pantry or your fridge. Our five minute chana masala is a super popular recipe using canned beans, diced tomatoes, 
frozen brown rice, and spices. It's an easy solution to the what's for dinner dilemma that everybody has. Members can search our database of hundreds of whole food, plant-based, oil-free recipes and find delicious ways to use up what you have on hand while staying plant strong. And if you need help making ingredient substitutions, guess what? Our meal planner coaches are on hand seven days a week. Save 20 bucks off the annual plan and use the code HEALTHNOW. That's one word, HEALTHNOW. And visit plantstrong.com and click on the meal planner today. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. I want you to know that we read each and every one of your reviews and we appreciate each and every one. If you want to learn more about this season or today's guests and sponsors, please visit plantstrongpodcast.com. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.